The Women's Football Podcast, in partnership with Her Game 2. Welcome to the Women's Football Podcast. I'm Luke Edwards and we're in partnership with Her Game 2 and congratulations as well to Her Game 2 to a double award winners at the Football Content Awards. So well done to them. I was at I was at that awards do as well. I can tell there was a, there was loads of them. About thirty of them went up on stage, and uh, they're all pretty happy. It was fair to say. Uh, this week on the pod, we have got she's back after a few weeks off. But as we're going to look at the Champions League and all things European as well, it's time to bring her back in. It is Inyesh Simpayo. Hello, Inyesh. Hello there. Thank you for bringing me back in. Excellent. And uh, also with us. We have uh, Dan Pentland. Hello, Dan. Hi, Lou. So midweek, uh, there was Champions League group stage started and uh, it started with a really brilliant, entertaining and controversial game between Real Madrid and Chelsea. Two controversial decisions. Penalty being awarded, even though it was outside the box and Neve Charles's goal being disallowed for offside. What did, what did you make of it? It was, a, it was a really interesting game, wasn't it, Inyesh? Yeah, it was entertaining. It was controversial. Uh, obviously, we don't like uh, bad refereeing calls, but that happens, uh, especially in the women's game. There's a refereeing problem, definitely. Uh, it's also present in Portugal. It's it's not the referees. Uh, like, they're not to blame, um, you know, individually. I mean, obviously, they make mistakes, but it's uh, it's a matter of uh, developing uh, referees, uh, investing in, uh, you know, having good referees and giving them the tools to do a good job. Um, but yeah, it was an entertaining game. Obviously, Chelsea uh, walk away with, you know, uh, with a sour taste in their mouth because uh, obviously they you know, bad refereeing calls again, but it, it was, uh, I mean, I think it was a matchup between two very good teams. I think Chelsea are uh, slightly better because of the quality they have in their ranks, but um, like, I mean, Chelsea have been benefited by refereeing calls before. It's not, um, it's not one team that is re- benefited or one team that is, you know, um, harmed by those refereeing calls. It's again, it's a, it's a more general problem in the women's game. Um, but I, I really like the game, and uh, I think this matchup between Real Madrid and Chelsea. Uh, will be even more entertaining in the second, uh, well, not leg, in the second round um, of games of that group. Yeah, the other game in the group, uh, which is Group D, saw Hacken beat Champions League debutants Paris FC in the French capital 2-1. A historic night for Ajax. They became the first ever Dutch side to reach the group, reach the group stages, and they celebrated that by beating the mighty Paris Saint-Germain at the Johan Cruyff Arena. What a result, yes, that was for Ajax. It was amazing and it shows again the growth of women's football everywhere not just you know within the uh, the big countries of of, of of the women's game of obviously Netherlands the Netherlands are a big country as well but their league is not as developed as their national team 
they have a lot of talent though. And uh, Ajax had created a lot of uh, problems uh, last year, if I'm not mistaken, for, for Arsenal. And this was another showing of, of, of their quality um, because, uh, well, again, the Netherlands have really, really, really good players. So we, they've been European champions. They've been, uh, they've gone very far um, in the World Cups. So I think it's a matter of them developing their league. And PSG, I mean, they're not uh, at their best right now. Uh, they've lost a very, very important player, uh, Diani. She, you know, she masked uh, a lot of, of a lot of problems on that team. Her quality was, I mean, all-encompassing, and uh, she's uh, she'd been kind of a life insurance for them. And without her, we're seeing a lot of problems uh, rise. You know, they were there. But now they're more um, evident now that she's not there. And this was, um, I mean, PSG had better uh, be very careful with how they plan, not just the rest of the season, but also uh, following seasons. Because, um, you know, we want to see a strong PSG just as we want to see a strong Lyon because they're uh, such important teams for, for the game. So, but I'm really happy for Ajax because it shows that, you know, again quality building quality uh, within is just as important as you know um exporting great players it's a really interesting group isn't it Inyesh? i know you were impressed by roma last year and they uh, they started off well against bayern munich manuela giuliano leveled in added on time as they fought back from 2-0 down against Bayern Munich. Uh, they reached the quarterfinals, of course, last season uh, they host ajax this week with bayern traveling to france to face PSG and that's a it's a mouthwatering group that isn't it it's a really tough group uh Roma are did very well last year both in Europe and in Italy they're doing very well this year too uh they they have a lot of people come to their games uh their attendance uh numbers are really really good and they're a growing team you know you we had uh we you know, uh, Europe uh, got to see Juventus play very well, and I think Roma are taking that place now. And with uh, with the Bayern uh, PSG game uh, in the next match day, it's going to be also a chance for for Roma to and both and Ajax too to you know to maybe cause uh, an upset in the in that in that group. In terms of like who goes forward, who doesn't, I think we'll see. We might see some surprises, especially with how PSG are playing, which is not very well. Previous winners: Leon made a fine start to their Champions League campaign with a nine-nil win at Slavia Prague. The French champions were six-nil up at halftime with goals from De Britz, Van der Donk, Gilles Lossomer, and two from Diani. Gilles added a second in the second half, along with goals from Hedeberg and Majeri. The holders, Barcelona, they were comfortable as well as they handed Benfica a five-nil defeat. Alexia Pitace is back. She scored a double along with Bon Matti and Ashishwala scored a spectacular overhead kick with her first touch after coming on as a substitute. And I suppose everyone in Portugal and Yesh wrote that off for Benfica straight away, didn't they? No one was expecting uh, Benfica to get a great result from 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 you know from that visit to Barcelona. Uh, obviously, it's already it's always tough when there's a result like that. But I think Benfica played well, you know, considering uh, the 
difference in quality between both teams. Portugal is in a much more, um, well, it's not as advanced in, in the women's uh, game as uh, Spain is. Benfica are our strongest team and they still lose like this to Barcelona. I'm sure they will, you know, present uh, a better threat um, at home you know, in the, um, when, when Barcelona visit uh, Benfica. But, I mean, it's tough. Obviously, it's tough. No one wants to, to lose, uh, you know, with those numbers. But, uh, you know, 5-0 is, is it's always heavy, a heavy defeat. But uh, I think Benfica have to look at the positives, build on those positives, try to, to correct uh, the bad things. It was still... I. It sounds a bit ridiculous, but it is better than than what happened last season. The numbers were even bigger, and I think this shows that you know Benfica are, you know, building towards something. They lost a very very two very important players this season, uh, Chloe Lacasse, who is you know uh, doing great things for Arsenal this season, and also Ana Vitoria, who went to PSG. So you know they're also building on that. You know, trying to reconstruct. Uh, that uh, that team, but um, yeah, I mean, again, it, it, no one expected them to get a result from 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 this visit to Spain, but I think they they did very well considering you know the uh, the difference of quality between those two teams, and I think they were unlucky in in certain situations too. Obviously, uh, Benfica not the only team to have five put past this week by Barcelona. More on that later. Uh, Dan, quickly, anything that stood out for you in the Champions League this week? Yeah, chaotic week. Um, just to go back on the Chelsea game, obviously, officials, you know, it was the main thing for me having watched the Chelsea game. Um, you know, group stage of the Champions League, you'd hope that the, the officials are on it. Um, so, yeah, it was disappointing re really for me that a great game was kind of spoilt with two really, really poor decisions but um you know hopefully that'll improve as as the competition goes on and it's it's a one-off occurrence yeah talking of chelsea dan you're at stanford bridge on saturday at lunchtime uh, they beat liverpool comfortably lauren james scored a hat-trick plus she got an assist for aggie beaver jones uh, emma hayes is described as the most technically gifted player in the wsl matt beard wasn't happy with his side he said they lost out in every battle and apologise to the fans. And another thing from that game is Sophie Ingle also overtook friend of the podcast, Keris Harrip, to become leading WSL appearance holder with 184. Uh, Dan, pretty comprehensive from Chelsea. Yeah, Chelsea were really good. Obviously, James stole the show with a hat-trick. Um, you know, three very, very clinical goals, I would say. Um, the third one was probably well. Second one was a cracker. Third one was real bravery. I think the way that she went into the box. Um, probably a bit of a shout out to Joanna Wright in Canada as well, who came on and I think she got two assists in very very in a short space of time, which was which was good for her. So yeah, Chelsea really strong. Liverpool, I expected them to be kind of more solid than what they were. Um, it was a performance which probably didn't show kind of what a good season they've had so far. Um, but yeah, they'll they'll be better to come for them, and you know, in the coming weeks, I'm sure. But um, yeah, Chelsea are the title favourites, the champions, and you know, good luck to the other sides who are chasing them. Yeah, especially with the news that was confirmed this week that Emma Hayes will become the new boss of the U.S. Women's National Team. It's been it's been done to death, really. So we won't really chat about it anymore. But one thing that did amuse me was that she revealed that she she ditched to chat with Mauricio Pochettino. 
uh, last week to take a call with um, Sir Alex Ferguson, who rang her up to congratulate her um, after it announced she was leaving the club after 12 years. And she said it was a tough... She sat at the table with Potch and the phone rang and she said, I better go. It's Sir Alex Ferguson. I think he understood anyway. Um, it was the Manchester Derby this weekend as well. There were just over 42,000 in attendance at Old Trafford. And it was a Reds who got off to the perfect start after Alex Greenwood handled Melvin Mallard's shot. And Katie Zellum tucked away the penalty. United had a goal disallowed when uh, Jesse thought she had scored from a tight angle, but the ball had just gone out. Then two quick fire goals from Jill Road and a fantastic curling effort from Lauren Hemp saw the Blues in front at half time. Second half didn't get much better for Manchester United. It was a defensive mix up between Myla Tissier and Mary Ertz, which saw Bunny Shaw charge down Earps' clearance and add a third. And despite Leia, Alexandra receiving a second yellow card, City comfortably won. And Dan Mark's going to said he felt the occasion got to them a little bit. But City did press them hard. They disrupted them. They didn't let them play out from the back, did they? I think City are in a perfect position, to be honest. Gareth Taylor won't agree because they're not top of the table. But, you know, they've, they've got so much experience from this position where they are, where they're chasing the title, you know, chasing the leaders, um, you know, playing, trying to work from behind to to be successful. So, you know, I, I think it almost it almost doesn't good to be behind in the title race. I think, um, United. I, I mean, Gareth Taylor said in the last derby at the Etihad last year, um, that it they'd have preferred to play at the Academy Stadium, kind of the familiar surroundings, and you know maybe that's what happened with United yesterday as well. So. You know, it was their big occasion, obviously 40-odd thousand fans there. Um, and unfortunately, it wasn't to be for them. But yeah, what a result for City. And, you know, as, as I say, I just, I just look at them and I just think they've got so much experience in the position that they're in. Um, you know, I do expect them to go on a run from here. And then, yes, it was it was the perfect game as well for, for Manchester City because Gareth Taylor described it last week, the defeat to Brighton as the worst performance he's had in charge of the team. So a derby, perfect way to respond. And at Old Trafford, which is even bigger. Uh, Chloe Kelly is a big personality player. I I really like her. Uh, it was a perfect win, you know, uh, at Old Trafford against Manchester United, uh, their uh, city rival, uh, with a good performance, uh, holding holding on to that advantage, even uh, one woman down. Uh, I mean, after that game against Brighton, this was a perfect response to, you know, well, to that. So I think Eric Taylor will be will be happy with that performance. And Manchester City, I agree with Dan. Uh, it's true they're uh, six, I, six points away from 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 the first place, if I'm not mistaken. But um, yeah, if the math serves me. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean they're they're on a run. They're uh, going from from not as good to really really good so i think they're still going to put up a fight uh for the title this year and yes how how is that game viewed in portugal and in europe in particular do, does do people tune in and go oh, it's a big manchester derby in a wsl and it gets beamed around europe i mean what was kind of wasn't much interest in portugal i didn't see it uh i mean i watched the game i didn't see uh a lot of uh uh, attention uh, on it because you know in Portugal we have a problem because there's this new uh, women's sports channel uh, that has uh, concentrated a lot of uh, women's football and it's not accessible to everyone and then you have to pay some stuff and uh, getting 
honestly, accessing uh, international women's football in Portugal right now is also it's it's kind of very confusing because you never know where to turn. So that's a problem that needs to to be solved uh, indoors. Um, but yeah, uh, so I didn't see a lot. Of course, in women's football Twitter, uh, Portuguese women's football Twitter, it did get a lot of attention. But there was also a problem because it was at the same time as a Benfica Braga. Well, it was a little earlier, a Benfica Braga, which are you know the uh, two of the top three teams in Portugal. So that uh, Clásico, um, obviously, um, you know, <laughs> took took first place in 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 people's uh, attention span so, so to speak Arsenal just faced a tough assignment down on the south coast at Brighton Stina Batstenius turned and fired home an, uh, an opener early on and then they had a two more late on with Caitlin Ford as she fired home and then Frieda Marnham added a third in stoppage time uh, Dan Arsenal only had four shots on target scored three of them and he seemed to be almost quietly going along with their business, don't they, without being spectacular at the minute. Yeah, that was an impressive result yesterday, given what Brighton have achieved. Um, you know, in the last couple of games against the two Manchester clubs, um, it was a banana skin. I know Arsenal have got a good result, um, a good record against Brighton over the last few years. But yeah, it was there for them to lose. They didn't lose. They got the three points. Um, they did what they had to do. Very efficient, um, albeit they could have created more chances. Um, but yeah, I think they'll just be happy to just go about the business with nobody really putting an awful lot of attention onto them. Uh, Brighton are still a bit inconsistent, aren't they? They've still got a bit of work to do. They have, but there was a lot of players coming in the summer. Obviously, Mel only came in, what, April last year. Um, but they've shown a lot of promise. You know, it's it's not been consistent game by game, but you know, the, when they have performed, they really, really have performed. Um, I expect January will be quieter for them this time around because obviously they've, they've brought a lot of players in the summer. Um, but yeah, I think they'll get better, you know, game on game, month by month. Spurs drew 1-1 at Leicester. Janice Kamen opened the scoring to follow up her goal from last week. And Chalene Bizet equalised. And it was a good weekend for her all round as her fiancé Aaron Donham also scored for Norway in their Euros qualifier up in Scotland. Uh, another game you had an eye on, Dan, was Everton. They took on Bristol City at Walton Hall. Italian international Martina Pinamonti scored her first goal in the WSL to open the scoring. Amy Rogers equalised on the stroke of half-time before captain Megan Finnegan had Everton back ahead. But Emily Testra equalised a second time. And I think this is a better point for Bristol than Everton, isn't it? Yeah, can't put my finger on what's going wrong at Everton in terms of the Walton Hall Park results. You know, it's never really been home for them. They've obviously been in there, what, about three years now. Um, I've never really seen them as a consistent team on home soil. They're probably one of the most inconsistent home teams in the whole league. Um, they've got the players... Um, they get good support down there. So, you know, it's difficult to see what the problem is. But, you know, yesterday they dominated the game for large parts, but you never kind of felt that they were completely in control. And with Bristol City scoring the goals the way they do, they're always a threat. Um, so Bristol City will be delighted. I think they've got a real chance of staying up because because of the fact that they do score goals. Um, Everton is back to the drawing board again, you know, to see, you know, they've lost every game at home this year. I think they've won something like, two and eight at home, you know, going back to the back end of last year as well. So, you know, something's got to change, but I just can't quite put my finger on what it is. 
Another big story out of that game is, is as well as the uh, the weather, Dan, with the, the little um, leather being wiped over the camera lens all the time, was uh, Nicolene Sorensen saying she's going to retire at the end of the year at just 26. What do you make of it? Difficult one. I don't really know what's gone through her head. Obviously, she has had a long-term injury um, not so long ago. Um, she's obviously had to battle back from that. And, you know, I don't know whether something's opened her eyes in that period or she's had opportunities, you know, in recent times as well. Um, but, yeah, I think it sounds like she's wanting to, you know, maybe move away from professional football, um, you know, and, and try something else. Um, you know, she she might have a, a secret talent elsewhere. Who knows? But, um, yeah, it's, it is a thing. I suppose as well as that question at the minute, you know, footballers are getting paid more in the women's game, but there's still quite a few who have kind of got half an eye outside of the game, looking at what they can do. And Well, you know, obviously... Jonas Adeval spoke about this, didn't he, this week? Um, he basically said some WSL players are reportedly earn as little as £20,000 a year, and he says, I think we're making a mistake if we're only looking at the top of the game. Yeah, I think if you look at the championship as well, I think... You know, I think there are players at Lewis and, and Blackburn are the two clubs that really kind of spring to mind, not saying that they underpay their players, but I know there were players playing for those clubs who, you know, had careers elsewhere and they've, they've thought, you know what, rather than look towards full-time football, I'm going to have a full-time career elsewhere. Um, You know, presumably, you know, because the lifestyle's better and, you know, the, the pay's possibly better as well. So, yeah, I think there's a lot of work. Um, You can only pay out what's coming in, I suppose, unless you're a club who can afford to break the bank a little bit. Um, So, yeah, I think ultimately we, we're just not there yet. I think the women's game's kind of r- risen in the last 12 months, but we've kind of hit another level where we need to take another step forward. And it's just maybe about how, how that goes and, you know, how we attract more investment specifically into the women's game as a product as opposed to kind of football as a whole. Aston Villa have now got back-to-back wins. They were involved in a topsy-turvy game down in East London. They fell behind to Vivian Assay's penalty. They then went 2-1 up, and Lisa Evans looked to have got West Ham a point when she thumped home. But Rachel Daly, with a fantastic finish, gave them the lead once again. And an unbelievable clearance off the line from Lisa Staniforth gave them all three points. Uh, Dan, that was a massive win for Villa, wasn't it? Backing up last week's result. Yeah, I think that's three three on the spin now as well. If you count County Cup, mm. uh, feels like they're over. Um, they're kind of hangover at the start of the season and the difficulties that they had playing against some of the top sides. Um, they're gathering momentum, they're building in confidence, and you know I think they've got some quite good games between now and Christmas as well. So you know I think the talk of Villa being at the bottom of the table was you know a start of the season thing, and and I only expect them to climb from here. Ineos Carlo Ball is back, I think. Yes, finally. Uh, I like. I never doubted uh, her quality as a manager because she's uh, shown over the past few seasons how good a manager she is. And it's good to see. I mean, um, I don't remember who exactly said it uh, last time that they were playing for the manager, that they believed they believed in her, they were with her. And I think that shows, you know, how much, not just how much of, how good a manager she is tactically and strategically, but also, you know, how can she, how she can really uh, bring the, the team together uh, and having, having them play, you know, for each other and for her. And it's good to see them uh, getting back to, you know, to good uh, form. And, uh, you know, that bad spell is over, I hope. 
Um, and I think uh, they're going to, you know, rise in the ranks and they're going to get to a position that is more fitting, uh, you know, with their quality and also with the, the manager's quality and also the investment that Aston Villa have made uh, over the past few seasons. I mean, when you've got players like Rachel Daly, Daphne van Domzelaar uh, in your team, and again, a manager like Carlo Ward, uh, I think you're expected to do, you know, a lot better than than they're, they were doing uh, up, up until three games ago. And I think we're going to see them fight for more um, ambitious uh, goals than just staying up. Going to move on and look at the championship. Brilliant. I've finally quit. I can keep up with my kids now. I feel like I've got my life back. It's an amazing feeling when you stop smoking and you can experience it for yourself. Our range of free support can help you quit for good. From our app to emails, face-to-face support and online communities. Search Smoke Free. Better health. Let's do this. I tell you what, Dan, while when I, when I go through my app now, I click on the championship first before the WSL, just as you don't know what's going to happen, do you? It's so tight this year, so exciting. So the top two met at the Valley, and it looked like Tegan McGowan, making her first appearance since her ACL injury, had won the game for Charlton in the 89th minute. But upstepped Katie Watson to rescue a point in the 94th minute for Sunderland. Now, Charlton remained top on goal difference. And do you think both managers will be satisfied, or will there be a hint of regret, do you think? Based on league position, I think they'll both be pleased. I mean, if you'd have told Sunderland they'd be where they'd be now um, at the start of the season, um, nobody would have believed you. They've had a phenomenal season so far. It's going to be very difficult for them to stay there, um, but you know they've they've put in the foundations. I think Charlton look the top of the table. They've got a stab at promotion again. It's an improvement on previous years. You know they might need to back it up with a, a few more players in in January, but. You know, again, they've got a great, great position, great opportunity to to really kick on. So, yes, it was a draw. Um, both teams would have liked to have taken three, but you know, ultimately, the the first and second, you know, in the table, and you know that that's one hell of an achievement. You know, given the the competition in the league. There's another big clash down the road this time at Selhurst Park as third took on at fourth. Southampton led twice and were peg backed twice. Then Elise Hughes, who was in fine scoring form, had Crystal Palace ahead for the first time. But goals from Rihanna Dean and Katie Wilkinson saw the Saints grab a dramatic victory and move to within a point of the top two. And Marianne Spacey Kale's side needed that, didn't they? Especially with the result at Charlton. Yeah, they're just a little bit inconsistent. Um, you know, but isn't everyone in the championship? But you know, every every time they get that opportunity to kick on they drop points just when you maybe don't expect it to happen. Um, so they do need to keep winning, as does everybody. Um, four goals will give them a lot of confidence. They have Arsenal in the Cup this week, which could have kind of took their eye off the ball with that, but they didn't. They, they, they really kind of grinded out the victory there. Um, it was obviously at Sellers Park as well, which it gets back to that stadium debate, playing big games in big stadiums. You know, does it sometimes have an impact? Um, but I think they did the same to Palace again last year as well. Um, but yeah, so that really needed it to keep in touch and, um, you know, sets them up nicely for, for, for a big week. Birmingham moved level on points with Palace in fourth. They won 3-1 at home to Durham. That's now one defeat in eight and that defeat came in the Conti Cup to Brighton. So I know, Dan, we've mentioned 
a couple of months ago, they, they seemed to be too, were they too far back? It seems not now. Is they're right in the mix, aren't they? I think they'll win it. I really do. I think they'll win it. That's a pretty oh, um, <laughs> big statement to make when you're in fifth place. But look, they've, they've barely dropped a point um, since their difficult start to the season. I think they've taken something like um, 19 of the points from the last 21 or something like that. You know, that's hard to do in the championship. Um, and particularly after you're coming off a difficult run, I think they're absolutely flying. It's the form that they had at the back end of the last season when they went so close to winning promotion. Um, they've signed a lot of good players. They might back it up again in January. It seems like they've got the investment. They're absolutely flying at the minute. And, you know, for me, they're going to have to hang in there for a few weeks, but I only see them winning it. I really, really do. I think it was them and Southampton for me at the start of the season. Obviously, the other three clubs up there have done phenomenally well, but I just think, you know, Birmingham are like a steam train at the minute. For me, I think I'm going to tip them now. I think they'll win it. You've heard it here first. Remember the date, put it in your diaries, 20th of November. Uh, Dan says Birmingham are going to win it. So there we go. Um, Blackburn against Reading fell foul of the weather. Lewis moved off the bottom as two second half goals saw them come from behind to beat London City at Lionesses. They're now just three points behind Reading. And it's Watford who sink to the bottom after losing 3-1 at home to Sheffield United. A couple of goals for Izzy Goodwin there. Um, Watford, do you think they're they're done and dusted, Dan? Is it a case of maybe between Lewis and Reading for that other relegation spot? It's going to be tough. Um, I mean, Lewis have thrown a right cat amongst the pigeons with that result yesterday. Um, you wouldn't want to be Reading at the minute. Um, you know, obviously, Lewis could be getting took over as well by the looks of it. They're, they've obviously voted for that proposal with, with the Mercury group. Um, so, you know, that might bring January investment. That might bring you know, full-time players to the club. I don't know. It, it's obviously a bit of a race against time with that. Um, but, you know, that they had a really bad start and they have solid uh, solidified a little bit. Scott Booth's obviously a good manager. It's hard for teams to go down there to the dripping pan if they can get the home form right. Then again, you know, they could be picking up points regularly. Um, so, you know, the teams above them really need to get points and kick on. Um, otherwise, it's not a, a done and dusted relegation battle. Um, Watford, it was always tough for a team coming up. I felt I felt like they'd recruited better this time than last time and they started very well. But yeah, the, the points have just dried up a little bit and you know it, it's hard to see them cutting that five point deficit um out. You know, they might have to try and sign players in January, but I just don't know what the resources are like there. In the National League it was League Cup Day, but there was one significant league fixture, wasn't there? Yeah, Newcastle going to Forest. Um, two teams fighting out for promotion. Newcastle won the game one nil. Um, right up there with Burnley now. Um, you know that they look like they could be serious title challengers and and potentially playing with the likes of Sunderland and Durham in the in the Championship next season. In La Liga Feminine, Barcelona thumped Real Madrid, and Michael McCann was commentating on it for DAZN, and he sent us his thoughts on it. Barcelona 5, Real Madrid 0. El Clasico belongs to the Blaugrana yet again. A 12th win from 12 against arch-rivals Real Madrid. 
doubling their advantage to six points clear of Los Blancos at the top of Liga FA. It feels very difficult to imagine anyone's going to be taking the title off them this season after this display. Aitana Bonmati had them in front, set up by Carolina Graham Hansen, the exact same combination that brought two goals in midweek Champions League victory against Benfica. And after that, Barcelona really turned on the star and went through the gears. The second goal looked inevitable. Bonmati swivelled and turned and hit the post. Graham Hansen hit the crossbar after dancing her way through and then skied over from another good chance but eventually the Norwegian had her goal tucking in just before half time after Salma Pariuelo hit the bar with a rasping shot from distance. Mariana Cardente made it free right before the half-time whistle with a sweet strike. And there was two goals added in stoppage time of the second half to put the icing on a Classico cake. Claudia Pina finishing off after a brilliantly beautiful assist from Aitana Bonmati. And Vicky Lopez, the 17-year-old, becoming the youngest player to score in this fixture for either side. It means that Barcelona have 12 wins from 12 against their arch rivals and it's the seventh time across those games they've scored four goals or more and the seventh time they've not even conceded. Kalina Graham Hansen said pre-match that Real Madrid are working hard, signing better players every year and that that brings them closer but that we're upping our level and this very much felt like a statement performance from Barcelona in terms of demonstrating that in full vision. The Estadio Olimpico Luis Campanius might be a somewhat unfamiliar venue to Barcelona despite hosting the 1992 Olympics in the city. Of course, Barcelona are only playing there because the Camp Nou is being redeveloped. But once again, it was clear that this is a fortress that is going to take quite something to be breached this season, whether in domestic or European competitions. So we mentioned earlier about Barcelona and yes, putting five past Benfica and, and Real Madrid, despite getting that point against Chelsea, were, were like uh, Michael said there, blown away, weren't they? Yeah, Barcelona were far uh, superior to Real Madrid. Uh, it was a surprise that it wasn't 5-0 at halftime rather than at full time. Uh, Aitana, Catalina Graham, Hansen, uh, amazing game for, for both of them. But I'd also like to, uh, you know, because those two are absolute stars, but I'd also like to uh, mention Mariana Caldente. She had a perfect perfect game uh setting up uh big chances uh you know always confusing uh markings and uh showing up everywhere as is her style she's a vagabond on the field and that is what she brings to barcelona because she's both an attacker a midfielder she can even be a defender if she wants um but yeah barcelona are were, were much better are much better especially without caroline weir who is uh a tremendous player. Um, yeah, I mean, they're going to be very hard to catch and I expect another uh, walk in the park for them in the Spanish league. He also sent me a follow-up message, Michael, which says uh, another big start, there was capital letters in that one, is that Barcelona have now won 67 league games in a row at home since February. He's put that in capital letters. That's February 2019. And then he's put, which is mad, also in capital letters. <laughs> It is. <laughs> it is. And it shows how far ahead they are of every other team in that league, which is a competitive league. Uh, you know, apart from them, it's like it's them and everyone else. And it really shows uh, how like the, the structure, you know, the club itself has done a brilliant job to build a very, very competitive team that has literally no match uh, internally. Quickly then, um, you mentioned Benfica against Braga. How did that go? 
It was a really bad game. <laughs> Befica won. <laughs> Befica won one nil uh, at Braga. Um, goal by Kike Nazareth. Uh, it was a and well, every goal is pretty because every goal counts. Uh, but it was a, an ugly goal. Uh, it was you know a, a succession of uh, rebounds, um, and it was a bad game. Lots of stops. Uh, lots of interruptions for medical assistance. Uh, there was even a fight between technical te- uh, between staff members of uh, their uh, technical teams. Uh, there was uh, uh, an alleged. Uh, you know, uh, there was a lot of well violence uh, on the, the pitch. I wouldn't say violence, but it was there was a lot of rough play. And honestly, uh, for any fan that would have uh, been uh, introduced to Portuguese women's football in that game, that wasn't it. That wasn't <laughs> it. And it's sad because it, they're two of the three top teams uh, in Portugal. And I think it's time people demand, uh, you know, uh, I think it's time that teams uh, look inwards and ask themselves, do we really want to have 14, 15 interruptions per game for technical, uh, for uh, medical assistance? Do we really want the, our game to be this slow? Because then we see, you know, we go, uh, our teams go to the Champions League and they uh, lose 5-0. And, you know, it's, uh, we need to do better. Sounds a lot more entertaining than WSL where Chelsea just win every week. Anyway, uh, thanks very much, Ines, <laughs> for joining us. So that is it. Thank you very much for listening. Please subscribe to the podcast via all good podcasting platforms and give us a follow on Twitter or X, whatever you like to call it. We are at TWFP1. And on Instagram, we are the Women's Football Podcast. See you all soon. The Women's Football Podcast, in partnership with Her Game 2.